You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This course is from our International Catholic University Classics Collection, originally recorded between 1995 and 2005. topic of this lecture is assisted reproductive technologies. The growth of modern science in the understanding of human reproduction and the simultaneous growth of modern technology have had significant impact in the field of human reproduction. This combination of knowledge and technology have expanded the power of the human being over the accomplishment of reproduction. Knowledge and technology are human goods insofar as they are directive of and used for human flourishing. The accomplishment of reproduction is a human good if it contributes to the true human flourishing in morally acceptable ways. The focus of this lecture will be on assisted reproduction, that is, reproduction accomplished by the union of the egg and sperm through technological means to assist in their union. Human reproduction by way of asexual means, cloning, is a topic treated separately in these lectures. From the outset, it is appropriate to acknowledge that the existence of a child is a good, that children are among the goods toward which marriage inclines, and that the accomplishment of children as one of the ends of marriage must intend the good of the child as well as the good of the parents. This lecture will present, first, advances in reproductive technology, second, the teaching of the tradition as that tradition informs and guides the use of the new reproductive technology. Third, it will present some of the ethical problems that arise in the use of the new technology. And fourth, it will examine some of the practices and problems that have arisen in the contemporary culture which accept scientific progress and human desires as the only criteria in determining the goodness of an act. To set the real-world context for technological assistance in reproduction, it is appropriate and necessary to understand the need for such technology. Studies of human fertility report statistics that range from 7% to 18% for the frequency of infertility in couples in the developed world. It is in response to this need that the assisted reproductive technologies were developed. At first, the technologies were limited to married people, to couples whose desire to have children led them to invest a great deal of time and energy and money and love to conceive a child. But of course, with the development and the success of technology, it was not long before what had been developed to serve a real human need became the object of desire or another service to be purchased. Hence, the demand for this technology expanded. In the contemporary era, the desire of unmarried women for children, for unmarried women to experience pregnancy and childbirth, for women who have been widowed prior to the opportunity to have a child with their husband, and for homosexual couples to have children have fueled the press for more and better technology. Causes of infertility are varied. Some are structural, some are chemical, and some are related to gamete production. If the organs of the reproductive system are intact in the male and the female, infertility may be caused by the quality of the egg or the sperm. If that is the case, then treatment focuses on the germ cells. 
If the egg and the sperm are mature and are adequate and are available, then infertility may be caused by structural or chemical problems in the reproductive system. Among those problems for women are the occlusion of the fallopian tube, a condition sometimes caused by scarring subsequent to infection, or endometriosis unresponsive to medical and surgical therapy, or the production of vaginal secretions that are inimical to sperm survival. For the male, the impediments include blockages or abnormalities of the ejaculatory ducts, or injury, or to surgery, all on the reproductive organs. For both men and women, an unfortunate side effect of chemotherapy and or of radiation is the destruction of the gametes and the subsequent loss of fertility. Finally, it is acknowledged that the increased incidence of sexually transmitted disease brought on by casual sex is one of the factors imputed to contribute to the increased rate of infertility. The practices common in the contemporary culture to accomplish the reproductive finality outside of sexual intercourse are generally grouped together under the title ART for assisted reproductive technologies. Included among these are artificial insemination, in vitro fertilization and embryo transfer, gamete interfallopian transfer, zygote interfallopian transfer, intracytoplasmic sperm injection, embryo micromanipulation, embryo hatching, and surrogacy. Because of the speed of the growth of assisted reproductive technology industries, and because of the deliberate cultural ambiguity in regard to abortion, these industries are the most unregulated in the world. This lack of regulation in a quasi-medical process aimed at the production of children is startling when compared to the difficult and burdensome regulatory procedures in place for the adoption of children. The following is a brief description of the different types of art, moving from the simplest to the more complex. If infertility is caused by the inability of the woman to produce eggs and her husband is able to produce mature and motile sperm, fertility drugs will be administered to the woman in order to stimulate the production of multiple follicles and multiple mature eggs. Ovarian hyperstimulation, more often than not, produces multiple mature eggs, five, seven, sometimes even more. If that is the only infertility remedy attempted, and if normal intercourse follows, the risk of multiple pregnancies is a real risk, and many such pregnancies have been reported. In artificial insemination, the sperm of the potential father or of a donor are injected into the cervix of the woman. Insemination with the father's sperm is designated homologous. Insemination with the donor's sperm is designated heterologous. The sperm travel up through the fallopian tube to fertilize the mature oocyte at the distal end of the fallopian tube. If all goes well, the fertilized ovum, the zygote, begins development as it proceeds down the tube to the uterus that should now be receptive and an appropriate host for the implantation of what is now the embryo. In vitro fertilization is a laboratory process. Sperm from the potential father or from the donor is placed in proximity to an oocyte from the mother or from a donor in a laboratory dish. The oocytes are produced by hormonal hyperstimulation of the ovaries of the egg donor. The eggs are then harvested by either laparoscopic surgery 
or ultrasound-guided follicular puncture. Usually, because of the high rate of failure of the process, more than one oocyte is used and fertilized. If the attempt at fertilization is successful, that is, if syngamy occurs and cell division commences, embryos are formed. The embryos are transferred in a timely manner to an appropriately prepared uterus, either the mother or a surrogate, for implantation there. The usual procedure, again because of high rate of failure, is to transfer multiple embryos to the uterus and to freeze other embryos for future use. Gamete interfallopian transfer, GIFT, is a process which transfers sperm and eggs in a special catheter which keeps the sperm and eggs separated. They are then transferred to the distal end of the fallopian tube where fertilization takes place. In the GIFT procedure, fertilization takes place within the body of the woman who intends to be the mother, and generally the sperm of the spouse of the woman is placed in the fallopian tube. The greater the success of the GIFT procedure has been attributed to the fact that it more closely mimics the natural process of conception. Zygote interfallopian transfer, ZIFT, is the transfer of the zygote, the fertilized ovum, to the fallopian tube through which it should transverse then to the uterus. Intracytoplasmic sperm injection, ICSI, is the injection of a single sperm directly into the cytoplasm of the egg. This procedure is done when the concentration of sperm is low or when the sperm evidence poor motility or when the sperm supply is limited, such as in the case in men who on account of illness or medical treatment have stored sperm for the use in generating biologically related children. The availability of the ICSI procedure reduces the need for multiple dermosperm sperm and makes possible the maintenance of a biological tie to the father of the offspring. Embryo micromanipulation is a process in which the sperm and or the egg are manipulated through microscopic procedures that enhance the quality of the sperm and the egg to increase the possibility of fertilization. Assisted hatching is a procedure that modifies the zona pellucida, the membrane which surrounds the egg, by opening the membrane or thinning the membrane to facilitate embryo hatching and the subsequent implantation of the embryo into the wall of the uterus. To all of these manipulations of egg and sperm, the possibility of surrogacy must be added. As methods of reproduction have been expanded, so too have methods of surrogacy. Now the idea of surrogate motherhood is not new. Recall Abram and Sarah and Hagar, and recall too the problem that followed. Biblical surrogacy, though, required sexual intercourse. The new techniques require sexual intercourse unnecessary for surrogacy. For completeness of treatment, there is a distinction to be made between two types of surrogacy. In traditional surrogacy, a woman is inseminated by sperm for the purpose of conceiving and bearing a child for someone else. The woman is the donor of the egg, and therefore she is, by that genetic material, biologically related to the child. Once the child is born, the child is given over to the commissioning couple or to the commissioning person to be reared by that couple or by that person. In gestational surrogacy, the child is not conceived in the body of the woman who will carry the pregnancy forward and give birth. 
The child may be conceived in any one of the many ways described in the assisted reproductive technologies and transferred then to the body of a female for gestation. This makes possible a variety of different relationships. The child may be genetically related to either or both the commissioning parties or to none or neither of the commissioning parties. This complexity leaves open the possibility that a single child may be related to an egg donor, a sperm donor, a gestational woman, and a rearing person or persons. All issues regarding the reproductive finality, whether to have children or to avoid having children, are to be addressed within the tradition's understanding of marriage. Marriage is understood in the Roman Catholic tradition to have an essential nature, to have several finalities or ends to be accomplished within marriage, and to exercise governance over the reproductive finality from within the understanding of the nature of marriage. Within the tradition, knowledge about the nature of marriage resides in many sources. Among those sources are the scriptures, the two signs of marriage, the natural law understood as the work of human reason in its apprehension and affirmation of the goods of the ends of marriage, and in its command to actualize the goods of marriage, and finally in the teaching of the magisterium as it applies to the wisdom drawn from these scriptures to the advancement of science and medicine. The scriptures address marriage in the very first book, the book of Genesis. The divine institution of marriage was from the beginning, in God's creation of man and woman, in God's image and likeness for each other in God's creation of man and woman, so that in their union they may become one, and in God's command that they be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. What is being affirmed here is that marriage has as its nature a union of one man and one woman, that human beings are to exercise providential creative power, and that children are understood as a good of marriage. The two signs of marriage are the love of Christ for his church and marital intercourse. Thomas Aquinas developed the theology of the two signs in the Summa Theologiae. The love of Christ for his bride, the church, is the sign which signifies the reality of marriage. Marital intercourse, on the other hand, is the sign which both signifies and contains the reality that is marriage. There is then a correspondence between marital intercourse and the nature of marriage. And on natural law principles, there is a claim that the understanding of both is the same. Hence, a more complete understanding of marital intercourse leads to a more complete understanding of marriage. And a more complete understanding of the nature of marriage directs the activity of marital intercourse. The modern treatment of the nature of marriage in the tradition begins with Casti Canubi and moves forward from there to the encyclicals of Pope John Paul II. While it is not possible to present the teaching in full or the development of the teachings on marriage, it is appropriate to present the essential elements of the teaching. In setting down the nature of marriage, Casti Canubi maintains that marriage is a divine institution. As divinely instituted, marriage has a specific nature. Inasmuch as marriage has a nature, men and women are not free to define what marriage is. 
men and women are at liberty to enter into marriage with a particular person by a free will decision, but they are not free to choose the nature of marriage. The essential elements from Costi Canubi to John Paul II are these. First, marriage is an intimate partnership of love and life. Second, there are two essential aspects of marriage, procreation and union. Third, the essential marriage is conjugal intercourse. Fourth, there is an indissoluble connection between the unitive signification and the procreative signification in the conjugal act. In all of his writings on marriage and the family, Pope John Paul II maintains the focus on family as grounded in marriage as a consortium totius vitae. Family and marriage are inseparable. The gift of self and love has spousal meaning. This meaning requires respect for the biological laws inscribed in the persons of the spouses. Procedures that are inconsistent with respect for life and bodily integrity, procedures that are inconsistent with respect for the family and respect for the origin of the child, procedures that are inconsistent with respect for the integrity of human sexuality are not morally acceptable. The religious and ethical directives for Catholic healthcare institutions are framed from within the understanding of the nature of marriage. These directives guide practices for Catholics and Catholic institutions. Directives 38 through 42 focus on issues of assisted reproduction. Assistance to married couples in attaining the reproductive finality of marriage is permitted so long as this assistance respects the inseparable bond between the procreative end of marriage and the unitive end of marriage. The nature of marriage is a union between one man and one woman, and a union within which children are to be born, requires that the gametes be the gametes of the couple who are united in a specific marriage act. Heterologous fertilization of any sort is forbidden as a violation of the unity of marriage. Directive 40 forbids heterologous fertilization as contrary to the covenant of marriage, the unity of the spouses, and the dignity proper to parents and child. The directives recognizing the human embryo as a living, developing human being prescribe any reproductive assistance that involves the destruction of embryos. In addition, the directives forbid the use of any reproductive techniques that involve the production of embryos with the intention of not implanting the embryos. Surrogacy is forbidden as violative of the unity of marriage, a third-party intrusion by the gestational mother and by technicians, and as violative of the unique relationship between mother and child. Commercial surrogacy is viewed as violative of the dignity of women and especially of poor women inasmuch as it views women as objects for reproduction and as it presents an occasion for poor women to exchange the use of their bodies for money. Within the religious tradition, then, assisted reproduction is very limited, perhaps limited only to the gift process. In addition to the violation of religious principles of the tradition, there are other potential harms in the art process for intended offspring, for mother, for family, and for society. The first harm is the potential for physical harm to the intended offspring. There are increasing reports of the frequency of less than desirable outcomes with the use of assisted reproductive technologies. The reports also indicate that the more complicated the procedure, the greater the risk of undesirable outcomes. 
A recent study at a major teaching hospital with a level three perinatal center reported increases in premature births, defined as births less than 37 weeks of gestation, and an increase in low birth weights, where low birth weight is defined as less than 2,500 grams. Assisted reproductive technologies were listed, along with other pregnancy complications, as a significant contributor to the problems of premature birth and the problem of low birth weights. The perinatal center reported a 9.5% rate of prematurity, where a 6 to 8% rate might be expected, and a 7.6 rate of low birth weight, where a 5 to 6 rate might be expected. Both prematurity and low birth weights carry the possibility of complications that require medical treatment and developmental interventions which may or may not ameliorate those conditions. The complications, depending upon the level of prematurity or birth weight, range from death to severe congenital malformation to severe impairment to cerebral palsy to developmental delay. Among the problems that arise in in vitro fertilization and embryo transfer, in addition to possible physical harm for the individual embryo produced, are the problems of multiple fetuses and ectopic pregnancies. Both of these present serious complications for survival for the fetus and serious medical complications for the mother. In addition, a significant issue arises in the process which involves the union of the egg and the sperm and the multiple production of embryos in the laboratory. If the embryo is a living, developing human being, it cannot be surplus material to be frozen, to be donated, to be sold, or to be destroyed. It is a human subject with all of the same rights and protections of other human subjects. The lecture on abortion developed and supported the position with the preponderance of evidence that the embryo is a living, developing human being. Inasmuch as that is the case, it may not be sold or given away. In the early days of in vitro fertilization embryo transfer, reputable fertility centers limited the availability of assisted reproductive technology to those marriages which were deemed relatively stable. They limited the production of embryos to the number that might be safely implanted and carried to term. And because they recognized the embryo as a living, developing human being, they implanted all the embryos produced. There were no surplus or spare embryos. The use of hormonal hyperstimulation of the ovaries of women and the possibility of the production of multiple fetuses presents another significant problem both for the mother and for the fetus. If too many fetuses are conceived, the life of the mother may be at risk. There have been reported cases of pregnancies involving five or more fetuses. In general, reproductive centers aim for two pregnancies and recommend fetal reduction if more than two pregnancies occur. The very neutral language of fetal reduction tends to hide the fact that fetal reduction is the killing of a fetus, usually by an injection of some chemical. The process in which the fetus is selected and killed sometimes cause miscarriage, with the unintended and undesirable effect of the death of all of the fetuses. In multiple pregnancies, the fetus is at risk for direct destruction or for unintentional death if the uterus of the woman is incapable of carrying the fetus to term, or if perhaps impairment, which may be physical or mental, if the womb is unable to be a sufficiently stable environment for all of the fetuses. Finally, there is the social justice issue. 
There is a natural inclination to want children and to desire children of one's family line. But if natural conception is not possible, is the use of reproductive technologies the only answer? Is it the best answer? The use of reproductive technologies represents a considerable economic investment. The costs vary as the process is more complicated and as multiple procedures are required. The cost of oocytes may be as much as $25,000. Sperm, because they are more easily retrieved and more numerous, are relatively cheap. So the cost to produce my child may exceed $100,000, and the money may be spent without success. Most fertility clinics report a less than 20% success rate where success is defined as delivery of a child. The use of assisted reproductive technologies is not without risk even within the confines of the tradition. There are risks to both the marriage and to the new human being. Children must be conceived from within the body of the marriage. There must be no third-party material assistance, whether of germ material or of place of maturation. The intimacy of marriage of necessity becomes open to the pressure of technicians and of scientists who have the expertise to assist the couple to attain the good of procreation. Couples must be made aware of this intrusion. Couples must take appropriate means to protect their intimacy and to protect one another. Technicians and scientists who will assist the couple must be sensitive both to the dignity of the couple and to the sacredness of the new life whose existence they, with their special technical skills, are now privileged to serve. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.